listening and learning and hopefully being set free from the American gospel, modern Christendom. April the 8th is Passover. And Passover is on a Wednesday. And so what happens is we celebrate the feast. We don't necessarily have a Seder meal and all that. We did that in the years past so you can understand and learn and know what all that represents and what it is. But, you know, we, we celebrated according to the fulfillment of who Christ is. He was our Passover lamb, you know. He, he is the, the, uh, the one who fulfilled all of those things in our, that was prophesied about him fulfilling it. So somebody said, well, do you celebrate Passover? Yes, I do. But we, I don't necessarily do it in the traditions and the specifics of how the, the Hebrews did under the Levitical covenant. You know, I believe that I'm a son of Abraham, not a son of Moses, if that makes sense to anybody. And so what we do is we receive a first fruit offering at the first week of the sacred year. We're not bound by the calendar. We, I used to do the, the calendar, of the civil calendar, and January 1st, we, we would bring our first fruit offering to Yahweh. And, but now we, we, years, it's been a long time since we've done that. But what we want to do, we want to do it at the beginning of the sacred year, which is the beginning and, and begins at Passover. So what I want to do, I want to talk to us. I found out that more people are actually now grasping and understanding with more clarity what I've been preaching for all these years. I can preach exactly the same thing, and now I hear many people say, they're getting it more. And I do understand that principle. I understand that it does take time, and I understand, but there's some things that we shouldn't still be taking time about. These are some things that we just have to do through obedience. So what, what I want to talk about this morning is to help us understand what the first fruit offering is really all about, what it really is. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I believe this morning, what you think you know is you're going to know more today. It's really a simple, simple thing. The problem is when you get into the Exodus chapter 22 and 23, and it's talking about seething in, a, in, a, uh, in milk and all that kind of stuff, most people just blow it off. It is, I can't understand that. I don't understand that. Well, let me tell you what, this morning, you're, you're lucky this morning you got me today. Because of the gifting of God, who would have thought it? Mr. Waite at Jordan High School would have never thought it. He prophesied my, he prophesied my demise. But thank God, those are the things that qualify us. And so, by the gifting of the apostolship, and by the... By being the man who provides the meat in this house and, and preaches and teaches the word and brings this and reveals it to us, man, we have opportunity to know things. But it's really very simple. First fruits is the first pr pr product or the first produce. It's the first receipt of labor. It's the first income that you receive in the year, at the beginning of the sacred year, or any new venture. What does that mean? Well, if you change jobs, then you, the first paycheck of that new job belongs to Yahweh. So does the first paycheck of the sacred year. I had one guy ask me one time, he said, well, wait a minute, what, what if I sell, I, I'm a salesman, what if I sell a job and, I, and then I, I play, have that job, do I have to give the first paycheck off the second job? I said, no. You're still working in the same company for the same people. It was, this guy actually was self-employed. So every new job isn't really a new job. It's just another sale in that same job that he has. You understand what I just said by that? So most people have always asked me, so well, listen, what's the difference between tithes and offerings and first fruit? Is it all the same thing? Well, I want to tell you, I want to begin to tell you this morning that they are a lot alike. And they're a lot alike because they involved the number 10, or percentage of 10th, in aspects of understanding the offering and 
what belongs first to God, the tenth and the tithe, the first of Yahweh. So it all has to do with first things. Tithing and first fruit offering, or tithing and offerings, let's just start there, I think it would be easier first. They're distinct because offerings are something that we voluntarily give out of what God allows us to keep. So I give out of the 90% of what God says, I'm going to keep this 10%. Now I want you to focus real close on what I'm going to preach today because I think there's going to be revelation that's going to empower you to go beyond where you've been stuck in your cycle. The tithes are different. Offerings are what we give out of the 90% that we keep, that God allows us to keep. The tithe is Yahweh's. He says, that's mine. So the, it belongs to him. See, mo most of the, the concept of most people somehow in their mind have been so deluded and deceived that we think that we own what we have. Some guy asked me, do you own your house? I said, no. He said, do you rent? I said, no. He said, what do you do? I said, well, actually, you would say I own my house, but I have to pay the, the bank every month. Do you own that car? Not really. And how many of you know once you own something, it ain't worth nothing anyhow? Pretty much. Most people think that, that what they have is their own. But those of us who understand the Bible that says we've been bought with a price. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've been bought with a price. By the precious blood of Christ, we understand that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and we are part of the fullness. You don't belong to you. This is the number one problem of why the power of God isn't prevalent in, in ecclesias and churches and in your life and my life. We somehow think that we have the right to decide anything for us. Can y'all appreciate that this morning? All right, I want y'all to pay attention to me. A lot of times, man, you start talking about pump money, people turn you out. I believe that the best deal I ever made in my life, and y'all know I like a good deal. The best deal I ever made was between me and Yahweh. He requires the 10%, and he promised that he would not only let me keep the 90%, but he would bless that 90% if I would do one thing. Recognize that it is his ownership by giving him what's his. By me having enough intelligence and then smart enough to say, hey, this is all God's. He owns it all. I'm going to give him this part, and he's going to let me keep 90% of what is not even mine anyhow. Are y'all with me? To the point that the Bible says, if you and I touch the tithe, and we don't tithe, God calls you a thief, God calls you a robber, and God will guarantee that you will not be blessed. Y'all hear, listen to what I just said. You won't be blessed. See, first, first fruits are, are, are like the tithe in the sense that they're the Lord's. And I say the Lord's because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's. We know what the Lord really means, right? Yahweh. So the first fruit is Yahweh's, just like the tithe. And by giving the first fruit again, what we are doing is acknowledging and recognizing that God is the owner of everything. And He is the owner. And in the fact that whatever we receive, Whatever we earn, whatever we gain, whatsoever we get from our labor, whatever we get in our life is God's provision to us. It's his, and we give him the first fruit of it. Are y'all hear me? It's really simple. We say we know it, but I've met very few people who really believe it. And I'm going to tell you what that means by believing it. Hopefully we'll get to that today. Somebody said, show me in the Bible. And then when I do, they don't believe it even then either. The best illustration, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and of course, they were so stupid, they wanted to go back. They'd rather live in the world in slavery than to have the, 
and then to have to take the risk of what it takes for freedom. I used to spell faith R-I-S-K. It takes a risk to our flesh to step out and do and believe that what God says is true. So when the children of Israel came out of the wilderness, and you know what God had to do with all the people who wouldn't believe, who refused to believe, who refused to disobey, he left them scattered dead in the wilderness, and he took the next generation over. And when they got there, the first city that they took, the first city that they were to possess, as in possessions, as in acquiring, as in earning, or as getting, as increase, was the city of Ai. And I always like to make sure I spell it correctly. Ai. That city was a product of a failure and the proof of the first city being Jericho. Did I call Ai the first city? Jericho is the first city. Ai is the product of that. No power there. Ai was not the city that was first. Jericho was. So they get there. You know the story. Walls of Jericho fell. They said the walls were big enough you could have chariot races on. And all the things that we know happened from the Bible. And the bottom line is God says, okay, Jericho is the first city. Say first to your neighbor. First. If it's first, we can't touch it. What does God say? He said, it's mine. Don't touch anything. It's under, it's under a Hebrew word called the kerom. I've taught this for years and years. That's why somebody says, you know, they, they, they always have a, a, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but they're ignorant about the Bible. Let me just put it that way. And so they, they say they're Christians. They say they believe the Bible. They say they believe in God, which is only one God. Even though people have beliefs of other gods, there's only one God. But if you're not going to believe the Bible, don't say you're a Christian. If you're not going to believe the Bible, don't come to church. Do you hear me? You're wasting your time. They weren't allowed to keep one piece of garment, one piece of silver, because everything Every single thing that was in that city was the first city. Therefore, it was Yahweh's. He had ownership of it. And if he took anything, he said, you're a thief and a robber. And, a, and a, the Bible says that person cannot enter the kingdom of God. It was the first victory. It was the first taking of a city. It was the first of many that they were going to take in, in order to obtain the promise of God in Canaan. And not one single drop or shred of anything was to be allowed to kept by anybody. You know why? Because it was the first fruit. And the first fruit always belongs to Yahweh. It all belonged to Yahweh. He took his cut off the top and he gave the rest to his people. So here, somebody who's smarter than God. His name was Achan. I think his first name was Belly. He's belly aching. He decided what he's going to do is just, I'm going to keep a little few things. I don't, listen, I'm not talking about, he didn't buy, he didn't steal bars of gold. He didn't, buy, he didn't steal a, a, a treasure chest of jewels. He just got this little bitty trifling items. Could not let God have it. Just, no, I still want it. And he, what did he do? He hit him in his tent. He paid for that with his life. He paid for that. With the life of his family, listen to me. And it even caused the whole camp to suffer. There's nothing more drastically portraying of God's sensitivity to first fruits belonging to him in the story of Achan. You know, God said, hey, not only is it going to affect you, cost him his life, it's going to affect you and your kids, and it's also going to affect Ecclesia. There's nothing more drastic I can, than I have ever read than that story. And my response and your response to that recognition is a response of honesty in my relationship before God. If, he, if you don't trust Him and you don't and you steal from His first things that He says is mine, how many of you know that that's 
a response to how honest you really are in your relationship to Yahweh. The first thing I do when people's life starts screwing up, and they can get along. They, look, when, when the Bible says, thou shalt surely die to Adam, he didn't just drop dead right then, did he? But in the process of time. So our, our honesty, to have an honest relationship with your heavenly Father, with Yahweh who owns it all, we don't steal from him. Are y'all with me today? I know people don't like me talking about money, but I'll tell you something. If you'll believe me, your life will change forever. When we don't steal to God, we receive his blessings and what he lets us keep, which is also his. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you keep all this. Well, that's his too. Here's another illustration out of the Old Testament. The minute that Noah and his family came out of the ark, guess what he did? He planted a vineyard, and the, what did he do? He gave him a first fruit offering of the very first fruits of that year. The first fruits every year were to be brought when the crops were harvested. The first fruits were to be brought to the Lord and given to the Lord, and there was added a benefit to that. If you do this, what I'm going to do, I'm going to put an angel before you for the rest of the year to protect you and to look out for you. Can I tell you why he's there? Because stuff's going to happen this year. He didn't say, he said, I'm going to send an angel with you because when you're walking through this life, stuff's going to happen. You know, I don't ride motorcycles anymore. Let me tell you why. Because people started texting. One little slip on your motorcycle and you could be crippled the rest of your life. I don't want to go out that way. Those people who understand tithing and offerings and first fruit, God promises, God promises that he will put an angel before you and to guide you and to bless you and to protect you for the rest of that year. Now, people who don't have enough faith and don't believe so much that they'll rob from God's tenth, they're not going to have the faith to believe that either. True? And the fact of the matter is, if they don't give the first fruits, the Bible says that angel will become your enemy. It's amazing to me how I've seen people who've robbed God in this house who I have become their enemy. I ain't do nothing. I'm just sitting here telling the truth, preaching the truth, and I became their enemy. Not only that, God becomes the enemy. Here's a simple, honest understanding of the Bible if you choose to be a Christian, if you choose to believe the Bible. And that is, the tithe is Yahweh's, and the first fruit belong to Yahweh also. The first thing, the first of anything that we have, the first year of the sacred, the first week of the sacred year, the first profit from a new venture, first fruits are not any more complicated than the tithe. What is the tithe? It's the first 10% of everything you get. What is first fruits? It's the first of anything that you get. Is that clear? I'm trying to make it clear because somehow people confuse it. I saw a lady here who works at a friend of mine's accounting office. She won the lottery. She settled and cashed out for 270 something thousand, uh, seven, 270 something million. Let me tell you what the Bible says. If that was the first time she ever paid the, played the lottery, if it was the first time she ever played, she, that winnings belonged to Yahweh. But I'm sure it wasn't her first time, what do you think? But she does pay tithe off of it. I don't know if she will or not. I'm just telling you, whatever you bring in, it's the first of everything we do every year. All right. I know that's in the Old Testament, Johnny. What about the New Testament? Well, I personally believe that this Law of God and requirement of God in the New Testament is a moot subject. It's irrelevant. And these Gentiles who received the Spirit of God after hearing the gospel, repenting and being baptized, they received the real, genuine Holy Spirit, but they didn't understand the teachings of the law. Nobody taught them yet. It took them time to, be, to feel their understanding. But the fact is, they had received the true Holy Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. You read the story? And that true, authentic, genuine spirit is proven 
because it is the spirit of giving. And I'm not talking about a Christmas story here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says that the proof positive that we have the genuine, authentic spirit of God in us is shown forth and proven by the way we give. If the true, authentic, genuine spirit of the Holy Spirit's in us, then we will have the mind of Christ. And that will make givers out of the most selfish Scrooge ever. The reason why the tithe and the teaching of the tithe there in the New Testament to the Gentiles was irrelevant is because to them it was really meaningless. Let me tell you why. Because they had already given a hundred percent. Because of the Spirit of God in it. The Bible says they went and sold everything and gave it. So, uh, hey, well, we want to teach you about the tithe. But it's really what, you know, the first fruit. What about first fruit, Johnny, those people? Well, they've already given the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and the tenth. They gave all they had to God. But I want to tell you something that's true. Because when the Spirit of God gets on you, Sometimes we can get motivated and get in our flesh and do things that God never even requires or wants you to do. People tell me, they say, tithing is not a New Testament doctrine. Well, that's just false. Yahshua even spoke about the tithe, and he commented on the detail in which the Pharisees tithe and kept the tithe, even according to their mint and common. They would take every tenth leaf, I mean, every first leaf, and then every tenth after that, and tithe off of that, that specifically. That little minute, every little thing. And this is what Yahshua said. This ye ought to have done. What was he saying? Yes, we should tithe. But really, it really has no meaning in the teaching of the New Testament if they're already given 100%. So only as you begin to understand the true principle of giving from the Old Testament that we really can worship him in spirit and truth and that we understand that the tithes becomes a tendency to limit not a tendency like really but a, a ceiling to given the fact is there are really three tithes in the Bible one of them we don't do because it's to set aside money to pay the bills so we can go to Jerusalem so we have have the gas money or whatever they you know they needed, I know they didn't have gas expenses, but going to play, going there, they would all go to, to Jerusalem during the feast. And so Yahweh said, you're going to have a tithe here, and I want you to set aside this tithe so you can afford to go do what I required. Well, we don't do that. So here we have these New Testament people. They received the Spirit of God. They love God, and they gave it all. I used to be so impressed with that, but I found out that Yahweh doesn't want it all. I give God all I have. Well, you know, we can boast in that, but the fact is, that isn't what he said. He wants one thing. He wants the tithe, and he wants to bless what we, he allows us to keep with his blessing. I'm going to tell you something, and I want to tell you this is the truth. And it's been the truth in every person's life that I've ever met. I have never met a billionaire. But the ones I see on TV are about screwed up. I have met pers and known personally multimillionaires. I've sat down with people. I've seen people that had, you would think, all the money in the world and everything. But i got to tell you, I know for a fact this about Yahweh. He will not let you be blessed more when you don't tithe than he will when you do tithe. You hear what I just said? The ignorance of our carnal mind and our flesh somehow think that if we don't tithe, we're going to be blessed more than when we do tithe. Yahweh will put his foot down and say, I will not let that happen. You hear what I just said? I believe... From what the Bible says in my own experiences with people, he'll curse what you have until you become 100% cursed. And that's all relevant too. You will always make a lot more with the blessing of God on the 90% after tithing and first fruits than you ever could possibly after on 100%. I'm going to let us just think about that for a minute. I believe there's been a lot of distortion 
on giving. How should people give? What should giving really mean? What do, what do you do there? I, I, I know these guys, and they're always talking about donating to the church. You don't get donations, Johnny. You, the, you're a charity. I said, whoa, you're talking to the wrong boy. I don't take donations. This house is not a charity. The fact is, we all are the creation of God, and there's nobody that I've ever met that doesn't have needs. And you can manipulate people to give money when you start manipulating their needs. We can get, receive something. If we have a need to have attention to ourselves or to be something, we, it's easy to manipulate people. And don't say you've never done it. Oh, we can manipulate people to get what we, to fill that deficit and that need. Yahweh, on the other hand, let me put this in, in the king's English. He ain't got no needs. Oh, Brother Johnny, Yahweh needs my love. No, he don't. Y'all hear me? Oh, you don't know how special I am. Yahweh don't need me for nothing. And if I mess around too long, he will say, next. Don't you ever forget that and don't tell, let this generation of narcissism tell you that you're more important than what you are because you're going to wind up at the same place everybody else has after they crested the hill and they took that ride right back down to the dirt. Don't you ever forget that. You're a young man. Well, I'll speak for myself. I didn't think I could die. I didn't think nothing could kill me. I really thought that. Until a guy pulled a gun on me one night. And I'm going to tell you what. I drove off as fast as I could. First thing I'd say is what a shame it is that people in churches and represents their Jesus. Because their Jesus got needs, man. American church Jesus, he needy dude, man. If you will just send us $5. Jesus, Jesus needs your $5. Oh, all we need is a million people send $5. Jesus, help Jesus today. I'm feeling this. My Yahshua don't need money. Their Jesus needs it evidently because it's all about raising it. They're raising money as though God somehow needs money. Maybe I will go on TV. I'm already on TV. Some of you are watching me right now. Send me $5 a day and I'll send you a postcard from Bermuda. I mean, you know that most ministries on TV, and they ain't going to let you get away before they interrupt the most best song in the meeting or the best sermon, and they're going to interrupt and say, hi, this is so-and-so, and we need your help today. How I many of you heard that? Huh? They ain't no different than everybody else that shows that picture of that whopper on there that looks so good until you go there and looks like somebody ran over it when you get there. Y'all know what I'm talking about today. I'm declaring... That my Father, my God, Yahweh, don't need no money. That's why I don't raise money. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yahweh don't need your money. Are you hearing me? When his, Yahshua told his disciples, when he sent them off, he said, don't take a script. Now that ain't a movie, a movie thing, you know. We're going to take a script. It's not script, it's script with a P. Let me tell you what a script is. It is a begging bag that heathen priests carried to beg money for their gods. Ring a bell. Hold this right here. Oh, can you? Oh, can we need them? We need the money. Can you need money? Can we get the money? Yahweh don't want me being no beggar for him. Yahweh don't need me begging for him. I promise you. Are y'all hearing me today? I hope this changes the dynamic and the core of your belief of who our God that we're serving and preaching is. Because it ain't the God of America. Yahweh Jireh. He's the provider. I'm not God's provider. That's good news to me. Uh-oh. And I'll tell you, I've been guilty trying to provide for God. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll change his life or I'll, I'll help her get you a guy. It's a wrong concept. I have needs. He ain't got no needs. And Yahweh was merciful enough and loving enough to allow me 
to be needed. Okay, Johnny. I'll find you something to do around here. Don't listen close to what I'm saying. You ever have somebody that they ain't worth nothing? You know, you, you know if you hire them, they ain't going to do nothing for you. They're incapable of it. They're lazy. They're whatever. And you say, well, I tell you what, have this, go out there and clean that, clean that barn out there or something, you know. Hey, go and get my shed and will you do that? That's kind of how it is with me. Out of Yahweh's mercy and love, he sees me who has needs, who, and he's allowed me now to be needed. What do you mean? He could have his Elohim do all this stuff. I said he could have his Elohim do all of this. Think he needs you to tithe and give first fruits, and you think he needs you to do anything for him? That was the beginning of understanding a relationship with Yahweh that he was willing to even give me his name. People who don't understand what I'm preaching today don't know him. Even if I told you what his name is, you still don't know him. Man, an angel I'm sure could do much better than me. What if an angel, don't flirt with me over there. Because I, I need that. No kidding. What if we had an angel here, an Elohim to stand up here? Well, the fact of the matter, you do. In the true sense of the word. But even if it was a, an Elohim, all the ones that in the Bible that we see, they pretty much all look like men anyhow. Yahweh, out of his love and his mercy, allowed me the opportunity to express value. I want you to ponder on that. He didn't need me. I was worthless. I'm valueless. Somebody said, what will happen when you die? Yeah, people going to go right on. I'm not, you know, okay, will you miss me? Well, probably not. But the fact is, people going to go right on. They're going to go right on. Life's going to go right on. There's not going to be a big grieving in the city of Ocala over me. But what he's done is his love and mercy allows me to express value. It's called give. That's what Yahweh's people do. They give. They don't take. They don't rob. They don't lie. They don't make up their own rules. He's given me an opportunity to express value for Him and for His Word and for an opportunity to serve Him. That's what value I have. Having a good golf score don't value or identify me. Having a packed church don't value and identify me. Having all this much of money don't value or identify me. That's not my validation. The greatest validation I have in life are people who love me. So I have an opportunity to express value. We've got to understand the distinction between tithing and offerings. Look, that 10% belongs to God. If you mess with it in any way, shape, or form, I'll tell you what, it's going to cost you. And it, and it won't be limited just to you. It'll go down to your kids. It'll go down to your environment, your, your wife, your marriage. It, it will destroy you. God will make sure of that because that's just the law. How many of you know that if you jump off the Empire State Building, you know, God's going to make sure that you get sucked to the ground? Why? Because that's the law. And you may have a slow fall, but that sudden stop will kill you. A person who ties or don't ties, that very thing gets to the very guts of honesty in your relationship to Yahweh. If you steal from what he says is his, how many of you know you don't have a very honest relationship? And it exposes the fact that you don't believe him. You don't care about what he says, and you're going to do, you don't think he owns everything. So there's a, that's, that gets down to the very guts of honesty about a relationship with another it'd be like some guy telling his wife oh i love you you're the most wonderful person and he's over there having sex with some other woman i want you to know that gets to the very guts of honesty to their relationship he's a liar well it didn't mean nothing to me well guess what it meant something to her or vice versa Tithe, man, it gets to the core of whether or not we recognize that we're bought with a price and we're not our own it's the number one mistake and lie that people think that they have the right to do whatever the hell they want to do. Well, I'll tell you what, I got a better job over there in, in Hotlanta. I'm going to go to Hotlanta. You better ask God. 
Because this ain't your life to make that decision. And if you think it is, you're not a Christian. It gets down to the fact that I believe because of my tithing and my first fruit and my offerings that the rest of the world are nothing but squatters here on what belongs to Yahweh. And they are screwing it up. If you are a true Christian and a true believer, you are a person who recognizes Yahweh's ownership of everything. People who, and I'll go as far as saying this, true ecclesians, which if you're not really a Christian, you can't be an ecclesian, but even if, true ecclesians are honest in their dealings with Yahweh. I'm pushing for a unity that God will absolutely do what he promised. But without unity, we don't have that. Our motive for giving the tithe and the first fruit is recognizing that you belong to Yahweh and everything in the world, earth belongs to Yahweh. And we believe that he has promised, I say we, without any qualification to bless those who honor him with their tithes and offerings and first fruit. Offerings go beyond the tithe. It's, a, it's when you start now getting into a voluntary expression of value. See, when you come to God, we come in this house, we're expressing value to Him. Your money, which is really His money, is how you express value about something. You understand what that means? Listen to this. Galatians 6, 6 says this. Let him who is taught in the word share. Let him be a partaker of all good things. Share with the one who taught him in all good things. I think I've taught y'all real well in a lot of good things. I brought the doctrine in this house here, the tr truth here. The Bible says you're to share all good things. Watch this. That ain't spiritual stuff. I'm praying for you, apostle. That's great. But there is an expression of value that, that we make of what we really think is important and what we really value. And one of the ways we do it is financially. Here's another way. He said, man, all the stuff to be shared now does God need that stuff no but he wants us to express our understanding of the value of who he is and what he's done for us how do we do that it's called worthship people that raise those dirty hands to God oh I love you I love you I love you they haven't it's not there has no value of uh, expression of value in their worship because they love him based on one thing what can I get today? So it's really a butt-kissing session trying to get God to give you something that you want. I need worship. It's a contraction of two words. I've taught this for years. Worthship. Let me tell you what I had somebody more than once tell me. Now this is my interpretation of the way I saw it and heard it, okay? This is how I received it. Hey, Johnny, every time you talk about money at church, it's a downer. <laughs> with, the, with the potential of possibly being bored to death, I didn't ask anything further. Every time you talk about money, it's a downer. It's a downer on the service. What do you want? Y'all got cake? I said, my God. I don't know who put that foundation of truth in you, but number one, it ain't truth. And number two, I sure didn't lay it in your life. The most worshipful thing that you can do in church is expressing value to God. That's more than tongues or a word or, you know, anything. <laughs> we can, we, everything else is just unimportant without the expression of value. Come to church, we have to express our value out of a heart of gratitude and love for God and understanding who He is. We express our value through tithes, offerings, and first fruits. It's frustrating and it saddens me when people somehow think that God is acknowledging them and everything's okay when really they're cursed. And part of the curse is they think it's okay. Part of the curse is your eyes are blind and you're in darkness. 
And that won't be the only thing you'll be blind and in dark about. And when the light comes on, it's going to be a scary thing. Somebody said, I don't understand this expressed value. This is why they literally told me. I said, let me ask you something. It's a nice car you got there. Do you mind me asking how much you pay for it? You don't have to. I know about what they cost. Why would you pay that much for a car? Because, I said, because what you paid expressed the value that that car had for you. I've got to tell you, most people like me, we don't want just some old car off the lot. We want tires and rims. Can I get a glory to God? Hallelujah. Okay, I'll get, we want air condition. They can have the heated seats. You can have the heated seats in Florida. Heated steering wheel. Uh-huh. Yeah. My wife's got it all. I get heated seats. Oh, my God, it's 90 out there. I heat my seat up just fine. I said, so you tell me you walked into that dealership. And you put down hard-earned money, the fruit of your labor for that car, then that means that's something that you value. Otherwise, you would have never put hard-earned labor your money on that thing. You would have said, heck no, I ain't paying that for that. Those that are of the truth, those that know him, and not vicariously through me, even though I've introduced you. Not because I said his name Yahweh and you now say Yahweh and think that somehow that makes a difference because you know his name without expressing value. i got to tell you, you're deceived. Because a real deal man and woman values Yahweh and this wonderful, truthful gospel above everything else. Lost some of you, didn't I? I lost some of y'all, didn't I? Huh? Half-assers! Half-assers! want to give God your chump change and your roadkill, but you'll take your best to the outback. You don't mind spending $100 on something you ain't going to do nothing but poop out later. <laughs> With no toilet paper left. <laughs> that was anointed. That's the truth right there. We express these value, the value we have for Yahweh and for His Word and for the Spirit of God and for His man of God and for this house and for the whole dynamic of what we're doing. And we express it by bringing the fruit of our labor and by giving offerings beyond what is already God's anyhow. Listen to this. In Exodus 23, studied it years, years and years and years. It took me a while, man. To really understand first fruit offering took me a while because of the verbiage. I knew there was something there. And I knew it was something from what other people began to, when I started teaching first fruit offering, I'm not saying I'm the inventor of it or anything like that, but then I started hearing a bunch of other people use it, and they really use it just to bump their income. And they promise all this stuff, you know, you give it this, and you're going to win this. Yeah, that's why I do it. It's just playing the lottery or anything else, dumb stuff that they do to poor, ignorant people. And when I say poor, I don't mean just financially. I'm talking about it poor in spirit. I mean, not poor in spirit in the sense they're seeking God, but they, who, are, who know not God. And they're trying to make things happen. I'll tell you, I'm going to get this. If I invest here, I'm going to tell you what. I'm telling you right now. If you're coming here and you're trying to invest in something just so you can get something back, eh, you're wrong, church. This is what he said. The tithe, the tithe is the tenth of everything you bring in. First fruit is the first of everything that you do. And if it's a new venture, a new job, whatever, it's the first paycheck, you do that. We do it the first paycheck of the year. But this is what it said. And again, believe it or not, this is in, this is in agreement with all I've been preaching about, about being in ease. And my desire to help and do my part for Yahweh to have a church that is unified. And we all do the same thing, speak the same thing and all that. So we can have this scripture right here. This is the scripture. This is the one that haunts me. It says that he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And he will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Well, I've heard it all my life. People are still having miracle crusades. Miracles still happen. 
miracle can happen to anybody. And a miracle has to be something, first of all, that nobody could, it couldn't done. You know, really, you, if, if you go to the doctor and he gives you, he, you know, takes your gallbladder out, and he says, I had a miracle. No, you didn't. And I'll tell you what, you're going to show your value. You're going to express your value because he's probably going to charge you about $84,000 to do it. And guess what you do? Sell my house. Get rid of that gallbladder. That's in what I just read you. Is in Exodus 22 and 23. It's actually, actually uh, 23. I forget what verse it is. All talking about first fruit offering. What's going to happen to them? You know the story. You know all the, the Hittites and Perizzites and the Amalekites and all those things and what they represent. But let me go a little bit, two verses, one verse ahead. Just one verse. Y'all ready for this? He said, I'm going to bless your bread and your water. I'm going to take sickness away from the midst of you. I like that. One verse ahead of that, it says, Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them. And he, and he shall bless thy bread and water and take sickness away from the midst of you. So what are you saying? If I, if you, if we bow down to the gods of this world, and all those things that we've taught over and over and over again about what those enemies mean, having to do with really uh, us, our our internal dialogue and who we are, and these inferiorities, insecurities, and all that, that is sin, and God wants to deliver us from so that we can have the mind of Christ and see ourselves as he sees us. He said, if we don't bow down to their gods, nor serve them, then these things can happen. All right. There are certain things in life that prove and expresses the value you have on something. If something's valuable to you, there's few things in life that prove it. Number one is money. Money is the first thing that will express the value something has for you. And people will go in debt for 30 years out the yin-yang. I spoke to a guy recently. He, he told me he was building a $400,000 house, and he said before it's over, it's going to cost him 800000 I'm like, oh, I don't know if I believe you. I was like, a little exaggeration, you know. But what it, he has a house right next door. Why don't you just stay in that house? Because he didn't express as much value in that one as he did this one. And anything that you, me, or us value before Yahweh or more than Yahweh, look at me, look at me. It's idolatry. Why don't we get healed? Why don't you believe? The reason it's not happening is because we are idolaters and we express more value on something with joy. Oh, I got approved. Hallelujah. $1,200 a month on my car. And not blink. Guess what? Oh, my God. We got in. We got in. How much was the ticket? It was $400 a seat, but we got in. Hallelujah. When we have that attitude, more about those things than we do about expressing value to Yahweh, you're an idolater, and nothing is going to happen to you except downhill decline. Well, I tell you what, it's working out pretty good for me. Well, why aren't you happy then? Why are you always pouting? Why, why are you miserable? And I know people, man, they can act happy. One day, I get a call. Our money expresses the value we put on things. That's just a fact. If you're in denial of that, I, I, I don't know how to explain it any more clear. I have people ask this question to me. Man, I don't know if I can make it. Shut up. You've blown more money on that lottery tickets or going on a vacation or whatever it is, that new gun you wanted or whatever it is that you like, you know. Man, we got faith for that, don't we? I don't know if I can participate or not, Johnny. I just don't know. Would you rather make it with God on your side or make it along with God against you? That's the bottom line. I want God on my side. And I do that by finding out there I don't have a side. I have to get over on his side. Now I'm in. It's a simple answer, man. You want to do it God's way or your way? If you do it God's way, you're going to be blessed. And I say this. If you can keep your big, fat mouth, whiny, complaining mouth shut, then guess what? You'll see the blessing of God in your life.
It'll never work. You know, the people, that's just about money. Look, you can't accuse me of that. I say, keep it. The Bible says that Yahweh loves a hilarious giver. Man, people use that one all the time. The Bible says we're not supposed to give to get. What should people keep in their minds and their hearts when they give? Okay, Johnny, I'm giving. What, what's my thought process? What am I supposed to be thinking? What's my mindset here? Because most people don't, most people don't understand about giving. Some people give according to what they think the, the need is. All right, wait. You know, I guess, okay. There's, well, I'm using the air conditioner while I'm here. I'll give some. So you got nothing to do with the need unless it's in offerings. Luke 14, Yahshua said, No man can come after him except he forsake all. And he lists all the things that have to be forsaken. Family, houses, and lands. How many of you heard that? Hey, discipleship. you got to hate everything, everybody, and even your own life, or you can't become a disciple. Here's the paradox. This is why people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Not really. Or, no, absolutely not. That no man has forsaken all he has, but he don't receive that and a hundred times that in this life. Y'all hear me? you got to give it up. But if you do, you'll get it back a hundred times, but you can't do it for that. But it's going to happen, and, and I'm going to explain to you why. It's forsaking what he wants you to forsake with no motive to get something out of it. It's a hurdle, but so is marriage. And marriage has the same type principle. Because really, you can say you love somebody, but if you show them or do things to them just so you get something back, it's still lust. I said it's still lust. When we cross that hurdle and we begin to give to God because we love him and we are expressing our value toward him and it's worship, worship in spirit and truth, that stuff triggers a response from Yahweh. There are several Greek words in the Bible for the word love. One is called phileo, fish sandwich. No kidding. P-H-I-L-E-O. I had to wake you up. It means a mutual love. Mutual love. The other word that a lot of people use is Agapeo, or we call it agape love. The God kind of love. And what that is, that is an uncalculated giving of yourself to somebody else because of the intrinsic value or worth of the person. I'm going to say that again. Phileo is mutual love. I love you, you love me back, we got something going, I'm feeding you, you're feeding me, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, kind of thing. The love that God is looking for is an uncalculated giving of yourself to the other because of the intrinsic value or worth of the person. Everybody likes phileo. We like to love, and, but we want to be guaranteed that we're going to get love back the same way. And if we don't, that love that you gave them will turn into hurt and pain and scratching and, and hatred. I'll tell you what I did. I did that for you. Why do you do that for me? I thought you loved me. You did that for me. I did that. That's phileo love. You know, that's hard to live up to. I said, that's hard to live up to. When we put an expectation on somebody else, they probably, they probably thought you really loved them and that you didn't have to do anything in response. I like to be guaranteed. So what I'm doing, when, when people are doing loving me to get, it makes me Look out for me. And it automatically sets us on a defensive, and it doesn't cultivate true love. What are you, what are you doing that for? Anybody ever been suspicious of somebody doing something for you before? Hey, wait a minute. Huh? What? Why are you being so nice to me now? You want something, don't you? If I was drowning and somebody risked their life, maybe somebody I talk bad about and I don't even like them, you know what I'm saying? And they risk their life and they swim out and pull me from the water. When we get back to the shore, I'm not going to have to talk myself into liking them. The way that makes me love people the most is when somebody loves me. Is it true? 
So this guy, you say, he risks everything. He comes out to save me. He didn't get nothing for it. But guess what? I like this guy. Agape. That's the power of agape. And it's complicated, this paradox that I'm talking about. When Yahweh sees us giving without calculation, he will give us more than we can give to him. I told you, God will always bless you more than you'll ever be able to bless yourself. It's the paradox, man. It's a seemingly absurd, self-contradictory truth that has a, it's tricky because you can't do it but, so you can get it, but you're going to get it if you do it. But you got to do it because you love and you have expression of value. He loves a hilarious giver. He loves people that give out of happiness. We used to try to make that happen. Ha, 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 ha. You remember that? Oh, let's come bring your offer and laugh about it. Some people, <laughs> oh, we're going to be hilarious. What are you talking? It's like when you first fall in love with somebody, man. You know, it's, a, it's the first day you bring home that bright-eyed baby into your home. I mean, you'll do anything for it. And not expect anything in return. Until about the third month, you wish they'd shut up. Amen. You don't have to be whipped into giving. You have great joy in giving to the object of your love and what you love, and the, you're expressing that value. Yahweh sees our heart. He sees that expression from that true giver of love and true worship and uncalculating in effort. He just does it because he loves him, and it's his. I remember there's a few people in the church's gate. We had a key to their home. And when they went on vacation, I was like, man, I wonder what I can go in there and steal. <laughs> they got some nice guns in there. They got jewelry in there. I never thought that once. It didn't even cross my mind to rob them. Why? Because I was expressing value. I, I love them. would never do that. There's one unqualified promise regarding tithing, and that's in Malachi. And this is what it says. Prove me now herewith. And see if you honor me with your tithes and offerings that I don't give you a blessing you can't contain. I got to tell you, it's a fact. Problem is, when I first started learning to do it, I was, I was in phileo love. And the blessing that I was receiving wasn't quite my immature, ignorant definition of blessing. Can I say that again? The definition of blessing was not my immature, ignorant definition of blessing. Man, look, I got a new PlayStation. Hey, guess what I got? We got a new this, we got a new that. Look what I got here. But it was a blessing that Yahweh, in all of his goodness, and knowing what I have need of, provides to me. The one thing today in this ecclesia that I'd like to see happen, and it's my prayer, and that's an authentic change in the frame of reference to where Yahweh is loved because of who he is rather than because of what he does. That's my cry. I mean, people, people ain't going to rob from God that, have, that believe that. They're going to make stuff up. They're going to do They're, gonna, they're not going to take that, those coins and not only curse themselves and their children, but even affect our church unity. They ain't going to do that. We love him. A reference to where Yahweh is loved because of who he is. If we can get to that place where we love God, we love him. And the paradox is this. He will bless you more than you will ever bless yourself. I want to tell you the truth. I'm telling you today what the Bible says, God's word. And I'm not telling you anything beyond that to prop up anything. And I know that if you know the truth, you're not going to be deceived by all those things roaming around that sound plausible to the fleshly mind. You know, such as if I give, I'll get this. Or if I don't give, I'll have plenty these things are an offense and an abomination to Yahweh. For those of you that understand and have the heart for it, there's a lot of new people that maybe don't understand first fruits. What is that application? What is, how is that a, what's the practical application of first fruits, Johnny? It's the first paycheck you get, specifically pre-tax, because you have to give to Yahweh before you let the Uncle Sam take the money out. It has to be first. Well, I don't think that really matters. Well, then why did he say it? I'm not going to take a chance. You think I'm going to take a chance? 
that just on a technicality like that, that, that I'm going to say, well, I gave a tithe, but I didn't give it first. Well, it's not a tithe then. Y'all hear me? What do you have to do? If I have to go get a loan at the bank to, to pay a month ahead of time or whatever, I'm going to do that to make it right for God. You say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm telling you, we did it. We ain't rolling in the dough, but we're blessed. What if I get paid twice a year? <laughs> then you divide the year by 52, and that's the amount. It's very easy. All right, what, what do I do? Where do I get my first fruit tithes and offerings? You send it to where you get your spiritual food and nowhere else. It comes to the storehouse. Let me tell you what I tell people. Hey, where you eat. If I ain't teaching you, don't give it here. But if I am, you better. Who's the check made out to? Whoever teaches you. The apostle of the ecclesia. I'm that man. And I'm going to be receiving tithes and offerings starting Wednesday, April the 8th at Passover. And I'll receive it for 50 days till the day of Pentecost. And then the door closes and I won't receive it anymore. God bless y'all. What'd I say? First fruit. And tithes and offerings. I'm talking about all three this morning, but yeah, thank you for